Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to below. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. I think we've been spending the last two days just trying to be more wise. <laughs> um, yes. and, and less wise cracks, but more wise, right? Yes. I mean, yes, that's, um, that's true. Uh, so um, after we wise cracked, then we became wise. Yeah. So I, I know all about Jim's escapades from yesterday. So yes. when he, when he, we get to that part of the show, he's going to, uh, he's going to fill us in and I'm just going to go to sleep. And then, because uh, because yeah. Jim and I had basically a four hour conference call yesterday, and yeah. it was more like a counseling session. Um, yeah, terrible. And, and, and it was it was it was not just it was it was group therapy is what it was. Um, and the funny part is that I think we both are kind of reevaluating everything all at once, and both kind of making some some tough decisions about you know yeah. our behavior, our 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 irresponsible gear behavior over the last several years and yes. um kind of reevaluating like where we should be versus where we are yeah. and the roadmap and how screwed up that is like how you know everyone lays out plans particularly for things like this and then they you know ooh shiny object and they divert yeah. and then they go do something else and then they never actually get back to the thing that they had originally intended to do which right. is um it's very easy for that to happen. This is why you hear about people who go into insane amounts of credit card debt over gear and things like that, because there's always that one other thing that you'd like to have or need or, or, and then I, I will use this word because many people use this word need. Um, and that is not practical, which is why we're going to talk about it on the show. But right. uh, before we do that, Jim, I think, uh, I think 
we should we should get the audience interaction portion of the show out of the way because I because I actually have something that uh, a question I'd like to propose to the audience. So if people can't yeah. make it through the whole episode because you know they're mad at us or whatever, at least yes. they can participate in this part. So I'm in a bit of a conundrum, right? Um, I've been looking at my Helix long and hard and been using it um, as basically as a headphone amp for guitar over the last couple of days. Um, and I'm not altogether unhappy with it, but there are things about it that I don't like. Um, as I have been sitting in some place, it's different. I usually use the computer to program it. I don't usually interact with the knobs very much. Um, I don't interact with the switches very much other than with my feet. So I put it up on a table and I was going through all the motions and getting some patches programs so I could use them with headphones. And it occurred to me while I'm doing this that there are a couple things that I really don't like about the Helix build quality. Um, I know many people will tell you that it's built really well. It is. It's heavy. It's got a big solid steel chassis. Um, it, 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 I, it should be made out of aluminum, but it's not. Um, and it is definitely roadworthy if you don't step on the knobs and switches or not the well the switches, but the knobs or, and you know, this is a problem I have with any device that goes on the floor. The cable jacks aren't that great on it. Um, the, the, particularly the USB plug. When I had it plugged into my computer a couple weeks ago, I stepped on the USB plug on accident. I was actually vacuuming and, um, it bent the USB jack and I was like, Oh God, I hope I don't have to replace this thing. Now, fortunately, it, it did not bend it permanently. But what that made me realize is the USB jack is actually not mounted to the chassis. It is mounted to a board, and that board flexed, and it didn't break. So I got, I got away with it, and, I, and I'm okay with that. And actually, the, the cable took more damage than the Helix did, which is kind of funny. The cable's bent. It's, it's crooked. It looks really funny. Um, but I, I was like, man, that was a close call because that would have cost me – probably $150 to repair it. Um, and the knobs are not, they don't, they just don't feel that solid and sturdy. Like they don't feel like they felt like they designed a potentiometer and knob combo that is really more geared towards looking cool than one that's actually functional and will last forever. The joystick also feels appropriately silly like that. Now, Jim, you have the HX effects. Are, do you yep. have any of those same, same controls? Yeah, so I have the five knobs, four knobs. And then you have yeah. the joystick, right? The, no the joystick. Oh, you don't have the knob that you can push up and down, back, right, left? Oh, you have buttons. That's right. The HXFX has the right, left, up, down buttons. Yep. Which, which, honestly, the right, left, up, down buttons are probably better, more reliable, right? So yeah. this led me down a path of thinking. And I was like, you know... I've always kind of looked at these players using the Axe effects and wondered. And I'm not a big fan of the guy that runs Fractal uh, Cliff. But, you know, as we've done on the show many a time, kind of got to park your pride in your, in your uh, you know, in your garage and realize right. that a lot of times you have to buy things from people you don't like. Um, and, in, and in Cliff's case, like, they've got, they've got a couple of excellent products that in my opinion do actually have a bit of a leg up on Helix in some of the departments that I'm worried about, which is reliability. Um, their stuff is built to last. I mean, it's crazy overbuilt. Um, and they have, they offer, you know, good warranty packages. Um, and they, and they make it plain up front for professionals. When you buy this, 
pay the extra money and you get a warrant, you get this extra warranty. Like that's not something I know that there is an extra helix warranty available, but, but when you buy it from guitar center, they're not like, do you want to buy the helix warranty plan? They'll sell you their warranty plan all day long. Right. But I'm like, but I want the line six coverage, you know, um, right. against manufactured defect and all that. So they have to replace the unit if something's bad instead of, you know, guitar center just continually giving me the same bad units. Um, yep. So I, it's the whole thing. Plus, I also, if I move to a place where there's no guitar center, it'd be nice to be able to fulfill my warranty, right? Um, right. So that's a big that's a big part of that. But uh, I always feel that, you know, the manufacturer warranty is probably a better deal than what you would get from retailers. I think retailer warranties are a scam. Um, and I have seen some horror stories about people in retailer warranties. But anyway, um, the, the main thing is that uh, I'm looking at the fractal stuff. Um, I was looking at the Axe FX3. And the XFX3, for those of you that don't know, is on sale right now. It's $2,250, right? Um, to $2,250. And it is as powerful and does all the same things that the Helix does. And it does some other things. But the nice thing is it has visualization in the display. So I can see my input-output levels. And I can see where they're dinging um, for, the, for the AD converters and try to make sure that my stuff, my stuff is level balanced. It right. has a similar feature to snapshotting. I mean, it's basically on par, but I just think the visualization inside the Axe Effects is way, way better than what's in Helix. I mean, when I go to an EQ page in Helix, it would be nice for me to be able to see a graphical representation of the frequency spectrum so that yeah. I can know where I'm peaking and stuff. And, like, they don't have any of that, um, but the Axe Effects does. They don't have, like, just basic input-output metering, none of that. They don't have anything that shows you how much compression is being applied to your signal. So it's okay because, I mean, you get to tweak with your ears. It does train you to use your ears more than worrying about the visual stuff, which is something I'm experimenting with my, my own mixes. But, um, the, of course, the, the problem there is that um, it would be nice to be able to turn those features on or off because I think having them would be better than not having them. And then my final critique, which I think I've mentioned on the show before, is that the cab models in Helix are pretty bad. Um, I know, I know that there are a lot of people that say that they use them and that they, you know, they can get away with them, but I've seen some of these crazy patches where people have laid out like their cabinet model and then they have another cabinet model and then that other cabinet model has a reverb on it and then they're mixing them together and they're, and, and they're using up the DSP because the cabinet models suck. And that's why I'm like, why wouldn't they just model the cabinets in a way that you would actually want to use them? So instead right. what they did and this is my interpretation because there are microphones in Helix that you would never use on a guitar amp. There are several microphones in Helix in the models for each amplifier or a, a cabinet model they give you that are specifically geared towards bass cabinets and bass guitar. Those are common microphones you'd find on bass guitar. So here's my theory, and I've, I've taken this from another YouTuber. I don't recall his name offhand, but I, I was watching a video the other night. He was doing a comparison of Axe, the Axe Vex and, and the Helix stuff, and what he was saying was that he thinks – and I, and I totally agree with him that the Helix cabinet models were made with a reference microphone and then they imply, they applied a frequency spectrum uh, thing to either an EQ or an IR to the um, reference monitor to make it sound like the other microphones that it lists it's using. So the actual cabinet models are not done with the cat, you know, the, the, the actual microphone that you're, you're picking. And on top of that, um, they did it. They did it because it's faster, right? Like that's then that's fine. And you know, I've used mic modeling in the studio, and it works works pretty good. Um, 
but I just think because I'm so tuned into guitar and like the, the sound of guitar, it, it, it just does not work for me. Um, but they're shrill, they're harsh. Um, they're hard to dial out. I mean, everything has to have a really low high cut. I'm cutting off highs at 5k. I mean, it's crazy. Um, so that, that all leads into the fact that I'm looking at fractal and I know Jim, you're being very quiet. I appreciate it because this is a long story. So fractal, fractal has the XFX three, very expensive, not in the realm of possibility for me right now. Maybe. Okay. The other part is that they make, and have just announced that they're doing a new floor modeler based on their new Aries modeling technology called the FM three. The FM three has not come out yet. There are various people. Um, well, I'm already on the list, right? So they have a list you can get on the list. So I went ahead and just said to hell with it. If I choose to go that route, I'll already be on the list. So the FM three has a couple of strikes against it coming out of the box. It's the successor to the AX eight. They're canceling the AX eight. They kicked everybody off the list for the X8, pushed them over into the FM3 list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's $9.99, which is the lowest price of a fractal product I've ever seen. I think it is the lowest price they've ever done. Um, and it's not made in the USA or anything. It's designed here, made in China, just like just like the Axe FX is, the big boy. Um, <laughs> and all of that stuff aside, um, I, I, I only have a couple of like little caveats. Can't do two amps at once. Right, you can do two amps on the same patch, and you can switch between them. But you can't do two amps at once. Um, it is allegedly not that much more powerful than the AX8, so it is like the Aries version of the Axe FX3 or the the AX8 equivalent, you know, in in the Aries modeling technology. So right. it's it is still probably four or five times more powerful than the Helix Stomp is. Um, just, just the raw numbers. Like, I don't know exact. So a lot of it has to do with how the software utilizes that stuff, but in raw numbers, this thing should be extremely powerful. And we know that Axe modeling technology, like they have a, a leg up people, people really do seem to like their stuff. Um, I have never had, uh, I've had my hands on an Axe I think once for like a minute or two minutes. And I was not impressed at the time, but that was several years ago. And that was before Aries and that was before there's a lot of things. But, but also I have a lot more experience with modeling and mixing with a modeler. So I think that's going to work out better for me if I go that route. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of sitting there going, well, if I sell my helix, like, I don't know. I just, there, there are a lot of questions. So then we had our conversation. And the upshot of this, and I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the end result was that maybe I should just sell my helix and get an amp. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like I'm really only using it for direct recording right now. I would use it for open mics. I'm not doing a lot of that right now, although that's probably going to change as of about 15 minutes before this, this show um, started. (laughs) Uh, So, but anyway, I went, I I went and I looked at some amps. Of course I could, I could do this and I could get a, PRS or the, the PRS uh, MT15, which as listeners of the show know in the last couple episodes, I've tried that thing out. I really like it. It's, it's on the short list of amps I wouldn't mind having. Um, or I could do the unthinkable and sell both my Helix and my Mark 525 and try like hell to get into a triple crown, which it's a possibility. Um, but there would probably have to be some cash that comes out of pocket in order to do that, which I'm not prepared to do right now. Um, 
So Jim, why don't we talk about your revelation and then we'll circle back because I have a whole lot more discussion on other things that are going on in my gear life um, that kind of revolve around what we talked about. Just to, just to give you a little something, there's a used PRS MT 15 in excellent condition. Oh yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. For 430. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I know. That's an awesome deal. Yeah. I mean, they're 650 new and they're not old enough for that to have any real abuse on it. Nope. Yep. So, uh, and there's two of them. They're both in, one's an excellent, one's a great condition. And so, someone, a little birdie told me that they're not really 15 watts. Yeah, they're actually. It's got a pair of 6L6s. They're like 35 watts or 40 watts. <laughs> well, we can talk about what the difference in wattage and what wattage ratings is in a minute, because I, I think that's important. But, so my, that's a whole other conversation, maybe another episode. So I got a hold of David and I said, look, I think I'm going to make a change. So I brought, I returned the black star and I picked up a uh, Marshall, uh, DSL 40 CR. Can, can we stop for a second? I want to, I want to do something. Cause I know you, you said that you said the magic words, you returned your, you returned your black star. Yes. Yay! He's very happy because, <laughs> because when I get to gear fest, we go play through this, not that, but anyway, um, or we're going to play through. So, uh, cause we'll play through each other's stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're going to play each other's guitars, too. It's going to be really fun. Wait wait till you get your hands on my Kiesel. Oh, yeah. That's going to be different for me. I haven't played a a seven-string in about five years, so it's going to be different for me. Oh, probably more than that, seven years. But anyway, uh, so um, here's the other uh, thing. I am looking over my pedal board because – and, and folks, if you're not hearing the echo today, (laughs) uh, I'm not going to tell you how I did it. He has an anechoic chamber. Yes, but I do have a chamber. I am talking into a chamber. Um, but uh, so I actually stuck all my pedals on my board, including the HX effects. Every single pedal that I have for distortion is on there, with the exception of one. And by that picture, David, you know which one is not on the board, right? Yeah. The yeah. Um, the metal zone. The metal zone. I don't know right why here. you wouldn't like a metal zone, Jim. No, but what what is the do? problem with the metal zone? I'm going to do the is metal zone better in front of or, or behind the amp. Uh, front of the amp. It's definitely better as a preamp than it is as a. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do the metal zone challenge. Dude, dude. It's, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the, what is it? The ice bucket challenge. You gave whatever. me a great idea just now. I'm going to get a cabinet modeler, like one of those little IR things, like the little stomp box ones and yep. just run a metal zone into it. Here's what I want to do. This is, I, I paid very little for this. Oh machine. yeah. Like 20 bucks. It's a doorstop. Yeah. It's a doorstop. It has, it, it is beat to shit. Oh God. And bring it to me at Gearfest, Jim. Bring it so to here's me, please. What I want to do, folks. I want to do this and then I'm going to give it to David at Gearfest. This is what I want to do. I want everybody to sign up. This is what I want you guys to do. If you want to do this, if you want to do it, sign up. And what you get to do is do the metal zone challenge. You take this same metal zone. We will all use the same exact metal zone and we will plug them into our respective amps and we will do a video of us doing the metal zone challenge. Everybody gets to do it. And when, and what you do is we'll the person that has it, will pay to ship it to you. And then that person pays to ship the next person. Yeah. And I mean, it's, we're talking about a padded envelope from, from, Right. You know, yeah. Don't, you, don't insure it. Don't put, if you lose it or if it gets, yeah, it should be less than 10 bucks to ship it. Exactly. Just, Let's have some fun with this thing. Yeah, let's do a pass around. You know what? Honestly, and if you want to, throw a pick in the box. 
Yeah. For the next guy. Yeah. Everybody throw a pick or a business card or something to say. Yeah. Something to just like get people like interested or whatever. Throw some stickers in there. Yeah. Throw something in there. Let's, let's make this fun. Let's make this a a little bit of fun. We'll call it the metal zone challenge. So um, that's it. It's my idea. Any other YouTube get YouTuber grabs it, I'll punch him in the nose. Before now, before you take off, because I didn't mention the audience <laughs> participation part from my whole spiel in the beginning. Yes, I want everybody's input. What should I do? Should I yes. sell my helix? Should I get an FM three? Should I get? Uh, should I go whole hog for for an MT fifteen in a cabinet, or should I should I sell everything and go for the uh, TC electron or the triple crown tc electronic <laughs> no the triple crown the, the mesa boogie triple crown which would also involve me getting another cabinet so i i i can only vote for two of them i'm voting for the mt15 or the triple crown but i don't want you to go into hawk over the triple crown i think the mt15 is an awesome idea. i think the mt15 is is winning right now yeah. but it wins. It wins practically, and it wins. Uh, well, there's going to be more conversation about that at the very end of this episode. So, so now my my pedal chain looks like this, folks. It goes from uh, the guitar into a volume pedal, into a wah pedal, into an HX effects, which then goes out to. Are you ready? Well, actually, there's a tuner in there too. Are you using these in the loop, or are they? They are in the front end. Okay. So the front end. So the the. I'm doing four wire in the HX effects, so it can also right, do right. dirt. And I'm using the dirt channel on the amp as well. So yeah. I'm as dirty as they get, right? I'm a dirty old man. All right, so you sure are. What we've got is, so from the wah into the tuner, into the HX effects, HX effects send goes to, the big muff goes to a DS1. That's right. I have a DS1 and that's. I'm trying to look real closely at the photograph you sent me, Jim, because I, I want to see what your settings on your DS1 are. Oh, there, there. I see. I see. (laughs) Says the blind man as the the picture loads for me. Now I understand. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, Into the blues driver, into my Paisley drive, um, into the front end of the amp. Then from the effects, uh, send of the amp back into the HX effects, which then routes its internal effects. Folks, you can put a looper anywhere you want in the HX effects just like any of the other um, high-end ones. So typically what I do is all my dirt channels are before the uh, loop, then I put the loop in, and then um, anything after that is after the fax loop. So then the return goes back into the, actually the output of the HX fax goes to return of the amp. I'll have to, okay. have to do a little video of that for people that wonder how do you do a 4 channel or yeah, 4 cable on this thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested in what, what your rig sounds like right now. So, couple of things to note. Um, and I want to do an all effects. I'm going to put all of my dirt channels. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's a hallmark of my that. videos. When I've got like five fuzzes going, they're all coming on. It's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> um, no, so uh, the, the, the DS1 is kind of a surprise to me, but yeah. not really. Okay. No. When I see how you're using it, I'm like, oh. He's bo- he's just using it as a boost. Boost. Yeah. He's got a. It's it's kind of a, a gritty boost. Yeah. Uh, Pre amp boost. Yes. Um, and that's actually perfectly mated for uh, a Marshall too, because it's it's kind of a Marshally type sound. Um, yeah. and I find that you'd think that like running pedals that don't sound like the amp you're putting them into like would sound bad, but I think the speaker plays so much part, so much of a role in that 
that I've had really great success running Marshall tout Marshall in a box pedals into Marshalls and Fender in a box pedals into Fenders and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm actually kind of interested. What was the Marshall in a box you had the pinnacle? Yeah, I had the pinnacle. It's okay. I mean, honestly, if you're going to do it, I probably, well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want, if you like JCM 800s, the pinnacle is probably the deal. If you want Plexi, then the, the, um, what's the, the Wampler makes one that's, uh, um, yeah, Plexi like. I, for, I forget what the name of it is, but, but it's a cool pedal too. Um, yeah. and you get your blues driver, right? And I, as I see yep. there, you've got that tweaked for like low gain. So yep. you're doing, so you're basically stacking stuff and that's cool. Nice. Stacking game stages, exactly. Right. And so, folks, I don't like, I, I don't go gritty super. And as David knows, I like to get my grit from my amp. So, yeah. I'm pushing the pushing the front end of the clean side a little hard or going into the. And so, I'm going to say this about so that um, those who don't know, the, the Marshall uh, DSL 40C line was changed. They have, they went to the yeah. part 40CR. This has been a little while, but some folks aren't really. Yeah, it's been about a year um, since yeah, they started longer. coming out. Yeah. And so uh, they put a MIDI on here, um, which is Yeah, it's got be- MIDI jacks. and. Otherwise, I've got to pay $160 for another freaking pedal for controlling what it- – so what's cool is they give you two, two master volumes. There's two master volumes on this thing, which mm-hmm. is awesome because you can set one a little louder. Bang. Boom. Right. And, well, that's nice. And I was trying to see, believe it or not, one of the two volumes, um, even if you set them for the exact same amount, is it's, a little bit... Yeah, because yeah. it's got an extra gain stage. That's why. Yep. So it's a, it's actually a little bit cooler. Um, one of them is a little cleaner. One of them boosts a little more, which which is right out of the box. Pretty cool um, add-on. Um, they've taken the reverb off of the pedal because they're like, nobody uses that. Because the reverb was useless on these things. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting to the point where I don't even want to see a reverb on an amp anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Fender guy, you're doing yeah, Fender reverb is one thing, but like I played the Triple Crown today, it's got a reverb on it. Like, what the hell's the point? Hey, the the pedal you couldn't think of was, believe it or not, called the Plexi Drive. <laughs> and that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But I was I thinking it was, it was like a, I think it was like I thought it was like British themed or something. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise me. I might me. get one of those. But anyway, so. Um, I like the, and those who don't know, um, the, the speaker was changed. Uh, so they had both an old C because I could have saved some money buying mm-hmm. the old DSL 40C or got this. And uh, it's just, the speaker is a lot better than this thing. I don't know if it's they, a V-type, they, right? Yeah. And they've retooled the cabinet from my understanding. Yeah, the well. V-types are so good. Like yeah. I know people, I know people are like, oh, V-types is cheap knockoff of a greenback or whatever. But the V-type is a really good speaker. I like it better than the cream backs that Friedman's using. Yeah, yeah it's really nice. Um, I actually compared it to a $3,000 amp they had there. They had like a, um, uh, what did the, what was the name of it? Uh, the Bogner something. It was the Uber really- Shawl or the Ecstasy? Ecstasy. They had an Ecstasy. The ex- oh, yeah, the Ecstasy is a legit amp. $3,100. bucks. <laughs> The, uh, the difference between uh, that and the ecstasy is that when you get the ecstasy over halfway up, the ecstasy will will kill small animals yes. and still sounds really good doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it was incredible. I gotta say that I will say that. And I pushed them both through a Marshall two by twelve cabinet, which I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't dare go with the volume of a four by twelve. We had some fun. 
So that was that was a fun day. Um, and then yeah. rewiring this thing took you know. So here comes the difficult part of the story, though, right? Like, yep. you you made a lot of sacrifices to get where you are right now. I did. I made a lot you, of stupid you sacrifices. Took, you took the black star back. Yep. You traded in your amp one. That's right. You, what else did you trade in? Um, a cabinet. Cabinet. The Hughes and Kettner cabinet. Yep, the Hughes and Kettner. Okay, yeah, and the Hughes and Kettner cabinet. So, so Jim, Jim. Part of what happened was Jim called me and he's like, "I'm, I'm thinking about taking the Black Star back." And I was like, "Well, I was like, look, I was like, honestly, it depends on what you're doing with it." He's only using. He was only using a single channel on it. I'm like, why don't you go look at a bass breaker? It's yeah. a Marshall style, you know, single channel Fender amp. And um, that led to further discussions like, well, what are my, what are my other options? And I'm like, well, dude, if you're not happy with what you're doing, I, cause I'm doing the same thing right now. Right. I'm like, clean house, just get rid of a bunch of crap, whatever yeah. you're not using or whatever you feel like, you know, you could use to get into something that works better for you, do it. And the original discussion was you were going to get another Lone Star. Right. And that didn't end up happening. But um, nevertheless, like that's a possibility down, down the road. So, so he's got this thing for, for 45 days to try it out. He yeah. can decide whether or not this is going to work for him. And the other thing is like, he doesn't have to worry about all the little upgrades and that. Cause I will say this, if, if you're a guitar player and you have gas and you keep buying and buying and buying, you know why that is? It's because you're not satisfied with what you have. And it's not that it's not that, so it's not that you're buying and buying and buying because you're not satisfied with what you have. You're, you're shiny objecting, which is that you get distracted. I have a Mark 525. I, that has been my amp for, let's see, five years now. Four, four or five years now. That has been my primary amp. I have not deviated from that thing. This is the first time I've really, really thought about selling it and like meant it because I would be upgrading into something that I feel is even better than what I already have. Um, and I looked at doing the Friedman thing. I'm so glad I didn't do that. I, I was glad when I walked out of the store that I didn't trade my Mark V for a Friedman. It, it felt right, okay? So, I mean, I, I, I feel where you're at. I mean, I've been there, and I'm, I'm, right, I'm there right now. We're going we're gonna to go deeper into that here in a moment. But um, do you feel like, this is still going to lead you down the path of just swapping pedals in and out. No, no, no. I, I fill the holes and be done with it. I think that, yeah, I think that I've, I've, uh, you know, I spoke with you about that. I, um, I think I'm going to get a California tweed um, yeah. next year. So this is going to hold me over until I do that. Um, and the big thing is going to be making a decision of whether to go to California tweed head and cabinet, which is probably what I'll do. Or come, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know. So I'm, I'm good here. The truth of the matter is, the only thing that would that would that I would do if I did go quote unquote pedal route, is I would have to buy a new pedal board. So right. I have to put a bigger board, which means that I got to have more power, which means that I got to have or break the board and have two boards. Yeah, two boards that connect somehow. Because and once you get into four cable, that becomes a nightmare. Yep, and and that would be the okay. So I'd have the effect send and return board, and yeah. then the board. Yeah. and then I probably have to get like an MX MS three or something like that, or MS five. Yeah, switcher, and then the switcher uh, programming and all. Dude, you're getting into the point where. So that's why I said I, when you were talking about he he had the helix effects on the table for for trading. I'm like, when he told me he was doing that, I'm like, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. Um, but you'd have to be set in stone on what you're going to do board wise. Exactly. And the other thing about the helix effects is that it provides him the ability to program and loop in and out things as he needs. So, right. I've had the MS stuff. They're great. They are not for people who are not like gigging three nights a week. In my opinion, I think they just require a lot of time investment. And if you aren't making a significant amount of money doing it, it's not worth it. Yeah. And that's, another big part of our discussion was that we you and I, and, and this show is a reflection of that folks, by the way, we, we didn't intend to make this a gear podcast. Um, our, our focus for the last two years, both of us has been on here, man, I really need to get the right sound to do what I'm doing. And which is buying stuff left and right. And it's got to stop. Like we're both yeah. kind of in the boat where it's like, when are we just going to decide on what the hell we're doing? For you, right. you've had a changing music landscape, but for me, nothing. Like I haven't really been. Nothing has been changing in my music life in, in terms of what I've actually been doing, and and it sucks, uh, especially for me because I'm like, this is a, this is just an indication of me not getting off my my butt and doing something. But right. it is, you know, it. I guess I'm now at this point where I'm like, how do I change this? Um, so. That leads me to my second part of the show. So if you're a guitar player and you don't play out, and we've talked about, you know, the bedroom guys, um, making the transition into playing out is often tough, especially when you're older. Um, so for me, it's like a, like a renaissance. I did it when I was younger, and then I took like an eight-year break, and now I've sporadically gone and done like an open mic here or there, or I've done a, um, a jam night or something like that. And I need to get back to playing, like going out and playing regularly. So the problem is, I live in a major metropolitan area. For those of you who don't know, I'm in the Chicago area. I'm in, I'm in the western suburbs. And there are bars everywhere. There are small clubs everywhere. But I don't, I, I'm a family man. I don't get, I, I don't drink. So I don't go out to bars. I, I don't really have any reason to be there. I don't have friends who hang out in bars. So I have no way of knowing where the local like open mics are. Literally no way of knowing. And it occurred to me, I was like, well, I'll just Google, you know, and I've done that several times in the last several years, um, hoping to spur on a renaissance, you know, and going and looking and like not finding up-to-date information and not finding any of that stuff anywhere. So it's all word of mouth. If you don't know players, you're not going to find these places. So I joined... About two years ago, I joined a, a, a Facebook group, Chicago, the, the Chicago Area Musicians Network. And um, I, I do see activity once in there once in a while. There's a lot of people in there and they, you know, I need a, I need a singer or I need a you know, guitar player or whatever. So I just, on a whim, I said, you know what? Where are the open mics in the Western Burbs? And I got a torrent, right? There's probably 10 of them I didn't know about. So if you're looking to, to enter into this realm, a couple things to remember is that you need to, you need to find some sort of connection to your local area, whether it's through Facebook or word of mouth at the music store, or, yeah, I mean, you can ask, so that's another thing I've done is I've asked, I've asked a uh, music store employees, like, do you know places around here where people play? Usually, you know, that they, they'll have a leg up. And if you go in there enough, you might even run into a customer who's like, well, I go to this one. You know, and that and that and that's all you need. You need one, and then you'll find the rest of them. That's so, right. um, I, I just thought they'd all died out in my area because I'm. There used to be years ago, ten years ago, 
but now it's all karaoke and that kind of thing. So I'm like, well, you know, there's gotta be stuff for musicians. I know there's a lot of us around here. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to death on that. That's going to, that's going to change things, but it also weighs in on the, the question I had for our audience, which is what should I do? Um, because now I'm kind of like, well, if I go to open mics, having a helix is a good thing. Having a, having a self-contained unit that has my cabinet models, I can just plug into a PA is probably the best option I could have. Um, especially since the last open mic I went to, I ended up plugging into a, a Digitech floor processor from like 20 years ago. Um, so I, I think I, I may, I'm going to go this week and I'm going to try to explore a couple of these and see what, see what's up, see what their, uh, their venues like and what their planning and stuff is all like, and just kind of get a feel for, uh, for what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's a tough thing to get into a social music scene and, and like get out there and actually do things. I'm not a people person, right? I work in computers. The last thing I want to do is pick up the phone and take a help desk call. It drives me yeah. nuts. Cause I'm just yeah. like, I, I, for one thing, I feel like everybody's mad at me. Most of the time people are angry with me. And I know that's, that's like a personal problem that I have. And I, as we mentioned on the show before, I'm in therapy, but like, that's a big part of, you know, how I, how I, um, handle my interactions with other people. And so when I go to, um, when I go to, you know, these open mic situations, like I'm putting myself out there and I, you know, and to go alone, that's another, that's the whole other thing. Cause I don't know anybody else around here anymore. So, right. um, but yeah, if, if you're looking to get out and play, that's, that's my suggestion to you is find an open mic. That's, yeah. that's the best way to start. Even if you suck, like that's the other thing. If you've never played on stage before, you're going to suck the first time. Just get used to it. Like warm up to the idea. You're going to yeah. bomb and you're probably going to bomb five or six times before you start to get it. And then when you start to get it, then you're like, okay, now I can do this. And you'll go home and you'll change your practice routine because of it too. Cause you'll be like, you'll realize where you failed. You know, like, right. I couldn't remember the song. Like then you're going to go home and you're going to practice the song 50 times. Cause then you'll remember it. Um, or I just like, I don't know how to play in time. So you get your metronome out and you start working on it. And that's the only way you're going to get better as a player is to expose yourself to those things. And Jim, you do it quite a bit, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. do you think that makes you a better player? I, I think so. I mean, it, <clears throat> let me put it to you this way. It doesn't make me a worse player. And it's I'll fun. That I can say for sure. I have a lot of fun. I meet a lot of people. Um, I get to, uh, I get to partake. Um, it makes you a popular person. If you're, if you're talented at all, people beg for you to come up and play with them because mm -hmm. they want to be, they want to be associated with you. It's, it's like, so I'm a, I'm a really good singer as well. And, um, not to brag, I mean, but I am bragging. Well, uh, you're a singer, primarily guitar player, secondary. Right. Which, is, which is how most of it should be, but we're not. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So I hear melody in my head and I can, right. I can vocalize it better than a lot of people. But anyway, so um, when I get, when I get to a place, I, I don't know if anybody remembers the stupid song picture by, by uh, Sheryl Crow and Kid Rock, but every time I would go somewhere and I would sing, someone would come up to me and say, can you sing picture with me? And so I got to the point where I was like, no, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> and it wasn't, because, it wasn't because I didn't like a person. I just got sick and tired of the song. And I got sick and tired of, of uh, people who would say, can you do it with me? Because really what they want to do, and that was me being really kind of a jerk. I'm not, I'm not, 
I can't take that back. I don't know what that was me being a jerk. Um, but what happened was um, I'd get up there and they would sing out of tune and they would sing, they would have poor timing and they would be, and I'm like, look, I'm a professional. And I forgot that, look, jackass, you're at a, you're at a karaoke night. Get, get your crap together and, and be a guy and just sing. And it doesn't matter. They don't care. They don't care that they're crappy and they're drunk and they're slobbering all over you while they're doing it. Right, right. Just have a good time. So that's how I see it. When, when somebody says, hey, Jim, can you come up and play guitar for me? It's because I'm, I'm enjoying that interaction and, and the fact that, hey, there's a little bit of celebrity that comes along with it. I have guys that come up and go, man, here. I, I had it just the, just the other night last week. Um, guy handed me his really expensive Martin. He goes, here, make it sound <laughs> Yeah, and I let me see bad. what it really sounds like. You know, yeah, I felt bad because when he when I gave it back to him, he was like, "No, no, do another song, do another song, do another song." I wound up playing like seven, eight songs. I I finally said, "Look, you know, we got like," so, and then and then the guy says, "That guitar has never sounded so good." And and part of me doesn't know how to take a compliment, so I, yeah. I went, "Well, thank you, but I suck." I, I'm the one. You know, actually, what you should have said, "I'm the one that sounded good." Your guitar was yeah. just doing the thing. Exactly. Your guitar was all. Of, thank my word. No, I, Jim, you're not fully yourself, and I'm not either. Like we, we had this discussion this weekend too. So, yeah, um, we both yeah. we both think that we have. Yeah. I think we both are more self deprecating than we should be. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but you know, um, when you look at it, it means one thing. I will never come up and say I'm better or I have no room for improvement. You know, I don't I, consider unless you can't play through a song, meaning like you can't keep time or something. There is no better in music because there's just right. different. Like exactly. I'm not, I would never say David Gilmore is better or worse than Steve. I, I mean, that's yeah. just, it doesn't or, make, yeah. It you doesn't know, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that, a competition. Absolutely. It's art. Like, you don't, you, you're not going to look at, at, and, and I got, I got called out cause I talked about the Mona Lisa this, this week on Facebook, but um, I yeah, I got called <laughs> out by Nick on that. But, but would you rather compare the Mona Lisa with uh, Michelangelo's David? I mean, they're two completely different things. You're talking right. about sculpture versus visual art, but they're both, you know, art, right? right. At the end of the day. Right. And nobody would sit there and debate which one's better. That's no. just not going to happen. Oh, I'm sure you've got some art. Critics. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you ever read there's any always, art critic stuff? Oh, my God. There's always some real ring, ring all that. Yeah, that goes, and the only oh. reason they get published is because they, they do nothing but generate controversy. If anybody thinks clickbait is new, they've got another thing. Yeah, that, no, it used to be it used to be a page turner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, headline, headline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um. Yeah, so I, I wanted to say that, that when it comes to what we do, we have to accept the fact that what everybody does, every person, I don't care who you are, we all have we all bring something new, new and different to the table, and we have to learn how to um, get that um, across to people and and accept our own failures and our own successes. Yeah, um, yeah. And here's you know so. David put up what he was talking about. He put up a thing about Game of Thrones, right? And he said, eight million or eight hundred thousand people or eight hundred. It was eight hundred and fifty thousand people signed a petition to get HBO to remake the final season. Okay, first of all, 
it, that's a drop in the in the watching bucket, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we can't get eight hundred and fifty thousand people to sign a bill, you know, or sign a, sign a letter to send to Congress to pass a bill. But we could get eight hundred and fifty thousand people who are pissed off enough about Game of Thrones to sign a petition to change it. Right, and that's it's just draw dropping to me. And that's what we were talking about was that this is a. I'm going to take it. Um, in a circle. So <clears throat> that's a first world problem, right? Is okay. We got this. We got this um, TV show, and we can't stand how it ends. Which, by the way, David and I will be quitting to watch. Today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why we had to start earlier tonight. Yes. Anyway, um, because we don't want any spoilers, we want to watch the next one. But anyway, so. If, and that's a first world problem. It absolutely is. And and we're sitting there like I, I, the things that people are willing to go to that for right now. And I'm, t- I'm bringing this around because because guitar players are a subset. We're a subculture of a culture, right? Right, right. That's and a so part, larger part of the culture. <clears throat> Um, I was our culture. Re- let's just, I'm going to throw it out there, Jim. Our culture is a bunch of whiny little babies and yes. we're whining about the littlest things. Dude, back in the seventies, when you wanted a distortion pedal, there weren't 50 of them. You picked up a big muff cause that's all there was You're or a distortion much- plus, you know, that's, that's right. it. <laughs> you bought what the local mom and pop had and you learned to do and you learned to use that thing. And that's that, right. and that's what gets me is that today we have so many players you know, talking about uh, th- this is a perfect example. We were talking about the Rev the other day. You know, the Rev G amp, yeah, the Rev G3 G. or whatever it is. Um, and we got all these players who were like, "Oh, it's the greatest amp ever," and all this stuff. And it's like, listen, you don't need the amp to play guitar. You know, th- right. <laughs> there are acoustic guitars. There are other amplifiers, and frankly, there are a lot cheaper amplifiers that do similar things. That's I played right. through a dual rectifier today. Last time I checked. That's a heck of a lot cheaper than a Rev G3, and oh, it probably sounds better too, in my opinion. Oh heck yeah! But that's my opinion, right? <clears throat> right. And so, and we are boogie fans, so. Well, oh. the, the the reason why I I say this is because first world problems, right? If you're if you can't play guitar, why are you worried about? And and by the way, most of us can't, right? Right. Um, if, if you're not playing every other weekend or something in a professional situation, you don't need a Bogner ecstasy. You don't need a Rev G3. You don't need a, um, a Fender twin, Jim Fender twin, right? Yep. That, that you saw one of those this I, weekend. You I certainly don't need a super reverb. I did love the two by 12, by the way. That was an awesome guitar. I mean, awesome. Amplifier. And I, I can't tell you, 90 pounds in and out. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people I have seen lately who are getting into that level of purchase? Yeah, look at me. I was looking at the X of X three. That's a perfect example. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not afraid of saying I'm guilty of this. Like I am absolutely guilty of that. I have a Mark five twenty five, and I don't even play out. Well, I'm like, going to come, come around. I, I'm coming around to that because I'm going to so, ask why you're not using a different product. So that's why for that purpose. And I'm not. I. I also want to. I also want to distinguish this, right? Like, so I'm not. I'm not calling out people who have money and really want to do something and just like, oh, I'm just going to buy this because I like it. That's fine too. We we luxury purchases are okay, but understand that they are a luxury purpose, a purchase, and not everybody needs that. And so right. don't be the guy in the gear page, right? 
the guy that's like, I have a Rev G3 and it's the greatest amp ever. And if you don't, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, it, there is a certain sense of what I do um, should be what you do. Uh, and I'm not saying me and you, I'm talking about in a general sense. Um, sure. the, the ego is boosted by um, people who, who follow you, right? I mean, my ego gets boosted when I go to an open mic and somebody yeah, asks, and a bunch of people come up to you and tell you, oh man, your tone is so good, right? Right, right. And it's actually, and I, the whole night I'm going, man, my tone sucks. It's awful. I'm playing through somebody else's stuff. I don't Jim, know. Jim, you know what the funny thing is? You're talking about somebody coming up and telling you what how good your tone is. I have never actually had that happen, but I've had plenty of people come up and tell me I'm a good guitar player, yeah. which, is, which I think is a better compliment. Yeah, I, I've had people tell me, um, you know, oh, that was so good, You're, you know, and, and I want to tell them, you know, I blew like 14 chords in that song, but I sing real loud over it. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't know. <laughs> I, I, know how to, I know how to make my mistakes. I don't know what chord to play right here, so what I'm going to do is play lightly and sing loudly. Yes, yes, um, exactly. You have the uh, that volume pedal topper that's like, <laughs> I know this <laughs> versus well, I don't. <laughs> You go through a song like um, uh, American Pie, and you can blow a chord or two. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, because it's just it's just so many chords, and nothing repeats. But anyway, so I'm um, what I'm what I was getting at is th is this, and I, and I and I'm glad you piped in because we often forget, uh, and I know I'm guilty of this. We often forget that what it's about is playing the guitar, and so I was in, I was in uh, guitar center and there was this dad um, who was looking at a, I told you about this. He was looking at a Jiva for his son. And I'm like, and I, and I walked in and I heard the solo to um, journeys. Um, uh, that don't stop believing. Oh, I thought it was. I yeah. thought that's what you're. Yeah. Don't stop. Yeah, believing. Don't stop believing. Right. That's the one. It's just a small town girl. Mm -hmm. anyway. <clears throat> um, so, and I'm listening to that, and it's and it's just it's out of time. The bends are terrible. The you know, and, I, and the I'm bends like, are terrible. Yeah, the bends are terrible. Um, the, the whole thing, I'm like, okay. Um, and I and I walk up to the counter to start doing my thing, and I, I said to the guy, I said, that kid, that that guy's about to buy that that kid a fifteen hundred dollar. Guitar Floyd Rose equipped guitar. Floyd Rose equipped guitar. This kid is obviously the way he's holding it, the way everything. I'm like, this kid is obviously never owned a guitar. Yeah, he's he's, lear he's learning, learning for the first time. And I'm okay with the fact that he was screwing up. Hey, he's got more guts than I do because I will not play a guitar center for that very reason. I don't want anybody looking at. Me. So, oh, I had um, that happen today. <sighs> I have to go into the back room, and you know, I, oh, it was so, funny today, man. Um, can yeah. I can I interject for a second? Yeah, so I went to I went to good time to try out some amps, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm I got a project now. I got to figure out what right. I'm doing. Um, so I went in there and I played um I played dual rack and we played that thing. <laughs> it was loud. Um, and then I played um, which yeah, the, those amps are are serious business, but not really my vibe. So I plugged in the Triple Crown because I've been mm -hmm. looking at those anyway. Yep. And uh, I was playing, and of course Jeff comes over, and he actually videoed a bit, a bit of it. And I'm wondering if Jeff's gonna actually put this up on YouTube or something, which I'm okay with. Like Jeff, if you need my permission, consider it permissed. Uh, consider it yeah. permissed. Permission and then um, 
So I, he did that. And then, um, which by the way, I believe he's a Patreon supporter now. Oh, um, so just, just FYI. And then, uh, so uh, on top of that, he, uh, shot the video and then like some people came in I think they were waiting for lessons. And this guy was like, he was like hovering around me, like literally a foot from me. And I was just like playing, trying to ignore him. Like, whatever, not my, not my problem. Not worried about you. If you're not going to talk to me, that's one thing. Like, I don't mind if you, I don't mind if you watch from afar, I don't care. But if you're going to stand there, like say something, at least be like, wow, you know, that's, uh, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Or like, Hey, that's a really cool guitar. Like anything. Don't, don't be the creepy guy. That's like, wow, this kid could really play or whatever. And I've had that happen before too, where they're like talking to their buddy, like, it's like, no, say something to me, you know, like, don't, don't be like that. I'm not, I don't get angry over anything. I just like, it just seems disrespectful. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. It seems weird. Yeah. Talk to me. It would be like if I played by my window in my house and like there was a ca- crowd gathering outside, like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's why, I, that's why I get changed in my window in the morning. But anyway, so, Oh God, uh, that's why they run away. Yeah. Run away, run away. Um, so on a serious note, so I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I'm, uh, like the other day when I said I played loud, I had I had to play loud. I had to play loud enough for people to hear me. I just want to be in a room where people can't see me. So <clears throat> I know they could hear me. But I got to oh, yeah. rooms. They built those rehearsal rooms down. Oh just, yeah, and those are awesome for that. I that's one thing that I'm glad they did. So uh anyway, I'm uh I'm plugging away or I'm watching the kid and I'm like, geez, the dad. And then the guitar the guitar center guy goes, Wow, he sounded really good. And I didn't know if he was being facetious or if he was like serious. No, I think, I think so. I think a lot of people have a soft spot for people who are first starting and they're like, yeah, no, that sounds good for a beginner. Right. But then at the same time, like he's got to maintain a positive attitude. So I wouldn't have said anything, but like in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but not good enough for an $1,800 guitar or $1,400 guitar. That, yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? The other side of me, which is the side that, that is just like what you were just talking about is fuck it. If you got $1,500 and you want to get the kid a good start. Yeah, if you want to do that for your kids, like that's absolutely the right way to do that. But you're buying it for yourself. Know. Like think it over. Right. I don't know if it would be a Floyd Rose just because the kid's going to have, maybe food. that's what the kid wants though. That might be. And, and you know, um, lots of kids want Floyd Roses when they first start playing guitar and then they get one and they're like, Oh my God, what am I thinking? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I go, oh, shoot. Well, you Should've had a Floyd Rose that. guitar for a while, right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain in the rear end. <laughs> You've had multiple Floyd Roses. And I told you both times, they're a big pain in the butt. I have. And, and I, it's know not, I know we talked about it on the show initially, like what my gut reaction to why I hate Floyd Roses is. Yep. And it's just that you, I, I said originally, it was like, oh, you have to have uh, extra tools to change strings and stuff. You know what it is? It's not even that. They're, they are like extremely um, sensitive to everything that goes on. And it's like, so I've got, a, I got the Kiesel. Um, it's got a hip shot uh, floating trim on it. It's yeah. the best trim I've ever used. Um, it has a very simple way to change strings and it has a very simple, and you have to use a tool to do it, but it's easy to figure out. And it has a simple way to adjust the saddles. And like, that's all you need. And this whole idea that, you know, these people are buying these uh, 
Floyd Rose guitars and then like, you know, they snap a string and then it gets out of whack and they leave it like that for a couple of days before they change it. And then they put new strings on it. The next change. So now your action's all jacked up, you know, or, or, and, or you tighten the screws down on the headstock too much or you, or you tighten the nut down too much and you crack the neck, which I've seen happen. I have a guitar hanging in my bedroom right now that actually has that problem um, that I'm trying to, to ditch. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, if you're interested, if you're interested in buying an Ibanez S four seventy DXQM, I'm selling it. So um, <laughs> don't listen to our back episodes. You might find out a bit more information about that guitar, um, and you won't want it. <laughs> yeah, I will show you on uh, Reverb if you'd like. And the Reverb listing, I had to itemize every detail of that guitar when I as I was selling it, so that there was no possibility that I was going to get dinged for a return or something. Did you sell it? Oh, it's almost sold. Oh, is it? I've been working with a guy for a couple of days now, and he's he's done everything but make an offer at this point. And I was he actually ask, told me he was going to make me an offer, so I'm just waiting. I was going to ask you only because if it didn't sell before, excuse me, if it didn't sell before um, Deer Fest, we should take it and slide down the slide with it. <laughs> you know what, though, I don't want to take so. Gearfest is big enough; like you don't really want to carry anything with you. Um, you want to try to like keep as minimal as possible. Now we'll have a mule with this, um, Dan Kish to help, uh, <laughs> help lug the camera equip equipment. Cause nice. we'll have, um, I I'm basically going to be doing all the filming Kish and I okay. will, between the two of us. I'm going to teach him how to use my, uh, stabilizer and then all of that. Oh, awesome. So it shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a big deal at all, but, um, I just, I would recommend like we not try to do anything that's going to require us to carry anything extra. Cause I walked around with a bag, like a, like a 10 pound bag the last time. And yeah. after a couple hours that I was like, this is stupid. And I actually went and put it in my car. I sp I took 20 minutes to go walk to my car, put it in there and then come back. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> going back to what I was talking about, the, the, um, uh, the thing that, that I wanted to say is that it's, it's, I think it's a great idea to buy, a decent starter guitar for a kid. Don't buy those starter packs. Yeah, I mean, I no. would recommend. We've yeah. talked this on the show for. I'd recommend about five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I would too. I would recommend at least five hundred dollars for a new one, three hundred dollars for a used one. Because mm -hmm. unfortunately, inflation you used to be able to get a three hundred fifty dollars Mexican Strat, but unfortunately, with inflation, it's not three hundred fifty dollars anymore. So I'm telling you right now, I I foresee a jacket prices for several reasons in the future, in the near future. Um, we've got the, um, uh, right now the, the, uh, tariffs and what's going yeah. on in China and yeah. unfortunate, um, uh, unfortunately we're not doing a good job with, with China. Um, we, we put too much into China. You can't. Well, I lucked out with my mark cause I bought it before the price increases over a boogie. They're $500 more than what I paid. Yeah. It's incredible. So, yeah. And, um, those who don't know, uh, we will see a minimum, uh, wage hike. And that will yeah, in our state, we our state, we already passed it. It's fifteen bucks in our state now. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't start seeing uh, price hikes on even the littlest things, because it all reverberates around, it's already happening. Like, but you know what? It's cost of living is going to go up, and then everybody's salaries go up, and it's that's why I'm like, why raise the minimum wage? I mean, like, I get why yeah. people want to do it, but it's only a temporary relief to it to a permanent problem. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to talk politics. Jim's right. Prices are probably going to go up. If you're looking at things right now, I would recommend you would, you, you be real smart about what you're doing. And if you got stuff that you're not using, sell it, get what you want and hang on to it. Because I have right. a feeling that we're going to see a really ugly 
economy here in the next couple of years that's right. with regards to the guitar market. And, I mean, and, you you just mentioned, you know, there was a time when you could get a Mexican strap for $350. That wasn't now. that long ago. That no. was in the 2000s. Right. So find one now. And and it won't be long before you won't be able to get a Mexican strap as it is hanging on the wall. Yeah. Right now, your Chinese straps are pushing the $500 mark. Yeah. So, and it's not, well, I mean, it's not the country of origin. It's the quality level. But oh, the yeah. problem is, I think the Mexican strats 10 years ago are a higher quality level than the squires that have replaced them. That's correct. So I would, I would say that. <clears throat> and so, I mean, every time you turn around, somebody's like, Oh, there's these contemporary squires are so great. I have, I mean, I played some, but I haven't really been, uh, not, not to the, not to the tune of the price tag. I've given them. No. Right. Right. No. So, I got. I, I want to get back to my shenanigans from the beginning of the episode. So well, we I talked. Wanna, I oh, want to okay. come into those shenanigans, huh? So the shenanigans from the beginning of the episode. All right, all right. We're talking about. We also had a conversation with Nick Bongers. You and I were involved in, and there yeah. was another floor device that was mentioned. Yeah. The um and and it's probably if I have to have something for open mics, that may be a possibility. Yeah. Uh, and that's the Sans amp. Yep. That's a so, super cheap, easy. 300 bucks, you get a tuner included. It's got literally everything you need except for a wah pedal. Everything. Yeah. I mean, and they have three different versions or four different versions, and they've got different amp models on them. Basically, each one is a different amp model. Uh, the new current fly rig uh, is, can either be British or California, so you can switch between you know the voicing of the, uh, the amp emulator circuit in it, um, which is – that's – stellar right there but the other thing is that um they all sound great i play i've played uh the version ones and they were passable like i almost bought one when i bought my angry driver um which i think the angry driver probably still would win out but i have to have something to emulate an amp out on the other side of it in order for it to work properly um but I could probably get away with running it into a cab model. I mean, it, it's it's got a mar it's got a Marshall box sound. I mean, why not? Um, so yeah, this that plays into this. Um, there's been a lot of questions in terms of how we get things laid out. I'm not going to say we're going to do a year of no gear next year. Um, I'm probably going to be doing it forcibly. Um, yeah, me too. But you know what? Well, no, next year I'm not going to do a year of no gear. But I'm going to go. I'm going to push it to the towards the end. But you know what, though? It's not about a year of no gear. It's about a year of using what I have and playing harder and playing better than I ever have. And it, I'm not saying that to, like, put a positive face on it, but I need to get back to playing. I need to stop worrying about gear, like, really, really bad. Um, and I do play a lot. You can ask my wife. Like, I sit here and I play four hours a night. I'll sit in the chair and I do these same patterns over and over and over for, like, four hours a night. And, I, you know, I'm seeing results. It, it's when you see results, it's a lot easier to, 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 um, condemn yourself to that. Um, but the problem is like when you run exercises, it's not the same thing as like playing a tune. So I do have to take time out and like jam along with tunes and whatever, then play the backing tracks and all that to try and get my, like my head around, how do you use these things? But, um, nevertheless, so I got to figure out my gear situation. I've asked the audience. I'm, I'm, I echo this again. Give me your ideas about what you're doing, but I want to touch on something I talked about previously. Right? So, the Con Marie method, right? Marie Kondo, organizational expert, got a Netflix show, award-winning book, talks about um, 
does it bring you joy? If it doesn't, you get rid of it, right? So that's the the basics of it. If you want to know more, you can look her up and read about her or watch the Netflix series. Um, so what I did was I took an inventory of all the things that I have. And then I notated them whether they bring me joy or not, right? So let's start. I'm going to go through the inventory on the show. Um, and hopefully this won't take terribly long, but it might because there's a lot of stuff here. So I have a Mark 525. Does it bring me joy? Mostly. Uh, I have a couple little a little gripes with it, but for the most part, like it, I like it. I, I don't think I should sell it unless I'm going into the Triple Crown. Um, one by 12 compact recto cabinet. I like it. I don't, there's some caveats I have about it. There's not enough low end in it, but I can live with it until I upgrade to something like a triple crown at some point in the future. Um, the katana head, it's gone. Uh, you know, I, I, it's convenient, but that's all it is. Uh, and so at this point, like I need, I need other stuff more than I need convenience. So, um, Line six helix and bag. That's you know I have the bag for it too. Um, I'm probably gonna. I'm. It's pro. It's got a G question mark. So gone, probably. But that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna use it before it's gone and make a decision about it. Um, and that may mean that where I go from the helix is the decision. It's got to be made right. Because if because if I can't decide whether I want the FM three or a PRS MT fifteen or whatever I'm going to do, then I'm probably going to keep the helix. That's why I said G question mark. I'm not attached to this piece of gear, but it's functional and it does something for me right now. So as far as I'm concerned, I'll keep it for now. The Kiesel Zeus seven string, keeping that. I have a GNL S500 USA, keeping that. I have a Gibson SG 2016 tribute standard. Um, it's gone. Uh, it's not that I don't like the guitar. I actually really do like the guitar, but the problem is it doesn't bring me joy. Um, the GNL S500 Tribute I have, another guitar I really like. I was very happy to get that guitar when I got it. doesn't bring me joy. It's gone. Uh, the Legacy Tribute I have, the Pickup Mule, as soon as we're done with the, the pickup giveaways, it's gone. Um, my Fender Jimmy Vaughn Stratocaster. I am keeping that, not because it brings me joy, but because I am nostalgic, and that is the guitar that I used to gig on many years ago. That is a guitar that will stay, stay around just to hang on my wall. Yeah. Um, I have a cheap Ibanez acoustic that's in a case. That's absolutely gone. Uh, the Shenzhen Unicorn, I'm going to keep that, mostly because of the show, um, so that we can tote it around to the various events that we attend and you know have people take a look at it, play it, whatever, because it was a big part of the show in the early days. Yeah. The Ibanez S470 DXQM, that is gone, okay? Um, but either I'm giving it away or I'm going to smash it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to smash it. I'm not Jared Dines. Um, jazz bass, I have that. Um, I have a question mark next to that because that could conceivably be replaced with a plug-in. Yeah. And I may do the plug-in. I, I, there's been, a, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I really would rather be able to just program my bass parts and have to sit down and play them because I suck at it. I'm not very good at bass. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, I have a piece of shit square uh, P bass. Um, I, I, I listed the value next to this too. It's gone by the way. It's going to be uh, $30 <laughs> because, <laughs> because the truss rod is stripped. So you'd have to have the special Stubach tool to, to grab, grab the uh, strip truss rod. Um, so it's basically just a body and crap pickups, right? 
Um, I have a Pelotar. I'm going to keep that. I have a black edition Pelotar. I'm going to keep that. There's some sentimental value attached to those, but also because they are functional for the guitars that I use. Barber Trifecta, I'm going to keep that. Um, again, functional for what I do. Uh, and these are, these are small ticket items. So even if I were to sell them, like chances are, I'm not going to get much for them. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, analog man, some base, obviously I'm going to keep that. That's like a Holy grail item for me. Um, the boss angry driver. It still makes me happy. Believe it or not. I'm going to keep that. Uh, the chase bliss warped final mark two. I have that listed as keep right now, but should something arise that I need, that is probably low on my list of keeps right now at this point. I just need a good chorus. I don't need one that has every feature under the sun. Um, and actually, I could probably do away with a chorus and just go to a Univibe and be totally happy. Um, and I and I may at some point. Uh, Ernie Ball, VP Jr., which is a volume pedal. Uh, that's gone. I, I just don't use volume pedals. Like I, I know that it's a utility item, that it would be nice to keep it forever, but I don't use it, and I'm probably never going to use it. So, gone. Um, I have a Tube Screamer, the, the Tube Screamer Mini. Uh, that's probably gone, to be honest with you. And I think I talked about giving that to you, Jim, so we can, we can talk about that some more. Um, but the, the value on that is like 40 bucks anyway, so it's not yep. pittance. Um, I have an Ibanez SM7. Okay, so that's a Smashbox 7, right? It's like their old distortion pedal they did in the, the early 2000s. I'm actually keeping that because I'm nostalgic. I bought that pedal twice, and I think I only paid 40 bucks for it the second time. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll keep it. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's something that, I, you know, actually for doing some of these metal things, like these metal rhythm parts and stuff I'm tracking for the, for the thing I'm working on, it might be the perfect tool for some of that. So yeah, I might actually have to dust it off and, and use it. Um, the Dunlop fuzz face that I bought for the show gone. I don't have to keep it. Like I would like to keep it because I'd like to be able to shoot it out with other things, but you know what? I don't really want to do it. I don't, I mean like, honestly, I don't really want to do fuzz pedal demos forever. Like it's a pain. Um, I don't mind doing them every once in a while, but I just, yeah, don't need any more. I have a Dunlop band of gypsies, which was a gift. I have it marked as gone. But I, it'll probably, it's like the the Chase Bliss where vinyl, I, because it was a gift, I'll probably keep it, um, especially because the person that gave it to me, like, you know, we have a long relationship and I'm glad that, that I have it. Um, so, but but it's low on the list. And if I talked to that person, it was like, you know, listen, I really like it, but I, I need the money to get something else that I also really like, then maybe that might work out. Um but ultimately the point here is like, I have, you heard how many things in here are gone. I have yeah. hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of gear that's going out the door. Yeah. Um, and it's just because like I reevaluated my, my stuff. Like I'm going down from five guitars or eight. I think I had eight guitars listed or nine guitars listed. I'm going to go down to like three, four, Five. 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 Because I, and, and one of them is the Shangze, right? So that barely gets any play time. Um, it's, I'm going down to basically like a nostalgic guitar, my, S, my USAS 500, two Kiesels, because that's what's going to happen. I'm going to replace one of these guitars. I'm dumping three other guitars. Oh, four, if you include, include the acoustic. Five, right. if you include the acoustic and the Ibanez. 
Yeah. So put it in perspective, like I think all of us who are into these gear podcasts in the gear community probably need to reevaluate like what it is we actually do and whether we need the things that we do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like if you have money luxury thing, like sure you can collect things too and all of that. And that's fine. But if you're a player and you would rather have nicer guitars or nicer amps and you've got like 50 pedals, like what are you doing? Stop yeah. and think about it. Don't get into the trap I have. Be wise about it. Yeah. And I think that's what we talked about at the beginning of the show is like Jim and I have trying to be more wise and yeah. all of us are smart, right? Like we figured out a lot of things and we figure out how to build pedal boards and we figure out MIDI and all these different things to make all these interesting musical things we do possible. But none of us are wise because we don't stop and think like, is this the best way to do this? Do we even need this? Jim, I was talking to you about modulation pedals and you were talking about, you know, yeah, I do use like three or four different modulation pedals in the Helix and I'm the HXFX. And I told you, I said, what did I, what did I tell you? I said, you only need one. One. Yep. You don't need no, multiple need modulations. One. As far as I'm concerned, when I see tab or like music notation, it says turn on your, your phaser or turn on your chorus. I just say turn on modulation. Like, yep. cause, cause the audience can't, I know people will argue with me on this and that's fine. Send me your hate mail. I, I can tell you right now, the audience doesn't know the difference between a flanger, a yep. chorus or a phaser or a phaser. They don't, they just don't. And they wouldn't even know the difference between a, a chorus and a short, short, short delay. Nope. Not if you punched them in the eye with it. No, because, because it's just, it's, they have no experience with this stuff. I, I saw um, Robert Jackson was having a conversation in, in the uh, uh, Pedal Boards of Doom group, and he was talking about the fact that, like, everybody gets so bent out of shape about all these pedals. And um, he said, do you really think the audience even cares? Like, the audience, most of your audience doesn't even know what a pedal board is. They don't know how you get those sounds. Nope. I remember um, somebody I, I went to high school with, they came over to my house, and I was playing guitar. And they were like, how, you know, they pick up the guitar and they, and they strummed a chord and it was clean. And they're like, how do you make it sound like what you make it sound like? And I said, I hit the overdrive button on the amp. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, wait, you mean that doesn't come from the guitar? And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) that was really enlightening. I was like, seriously? (laughs) You're wondering, what? Yeah. I mean. I we I think we all when we first start go through that too where we're like how did they get how does that sound come out of you know what I'm doing or whatever but even oh. I knew before I started playing guitar that there were distortion pedals like yeah, I, I, I well but but that it's different time Jim like I, but I only knew because I'd seen on MTV and I'm gonna date myself here but somebody will probably dig this clip up on YouTube on uh, MTV there was a they had this like weekend of rock or something and they had all these bands um, and they were all like hosting these different like little segments and the band lit. Do you remember them lit? I don't remember any of their songs, but they existed. Right. And their guitar player, um, had his pedal board and he's like, when I hit this chorus, cause they, they were doing a, a segment where he was like talking to musicians. Right. He's like, when I hit this course, I always make sure I turn this pedal on it. And this is a torsion pedal. And I go, Oh, that's how all that works. And then when I finally did buy a guitar later, I was like, Oh, now I get it. Like, 
you don't really the amp is just just something to make it louder you know you just get a distortion pedal and you can get all the sounds now little did i know that distortion pedals are probably not were not preferred at that time as much as amp distortion it's gone the other way now like everybody wants drive pedals but was that the uh was that my own worst enemy was that the song yeah i think that was one of their songs yeah did they have another song it would, no some 41 was the one with my own worst enemy right or is that lit? No, that was lit. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. I wasn't a big fan. So, like, that's the other thing is I, I believe me, I have my embarrassing catalog of music from when I was in high school, um, and prior to high school. So, like, when I was in middle school, like, I would listen to Green Day. I had the, I had the records prior to Nimrod, right? The ones that were before they went like and started to become something they are, they are now, um, but. I grew out of that stuff super fast. Right. Like I was listening to green day and then I was like high school. I was listening to, uh, actually, I actually did listen to a lot of pop punk in high school, which is kind of strange. Um, I had the blink One Eighty Two record, the enemy of the state record. And then I can remember their second record came out and I wasn't interested at all. Like I, or not the second, I guess it was the third one. Cause the first one was like dude ranch or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. and I just remember not being interested at all being like, eh, you know, um, and I got Man. really into the, like the hard rock scene and I was listening to, you know, the new metal stuff like, like corn and all that. But yeah. I, um, by the end of high school, I was, I was basically into Iron Maiden and, and, uh, you know, deep purple, um, the doors, like I, I completely did a 180 in my like freshman year. And I think I bought my first Hendrix CD, my freshman year of high school. Now I didn't start playing guitar until sophomore year. So Put that in perspective. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, Purple Haze. Yep. All in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... <laughs> that was on the radio when I was a kid, a lot. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so, like, I, I'm a fan of your music when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, I left one out. The band I listened to the most in high school. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. I was going to say... Tell me you did less Led Zeppelin. Oh, I had every Led Zeppelin record. I bought the box set and like, I, dude, I was, a, I was a teenager. I'm listening to music that was like 30 years before my time or 40 years before my time. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I graduated in 03. Oh, shut up. Yeah. So I'm 34, Jim. Like, you know, I'm young compared <sighs> to you. Yeah, You're only, what, 107? Yeah. 107. I mean, Keith Richards and you, you go way back, right? Yeah, we were <laughs> It's funny because okay, so so bands I saw. This is the funny thing. So so bands I heard on the on the radio, and some of them I saw live. Rolling Stones, right? The Who, um, Hendrix. Yeah, dude. Um, None of those bands could even tour because most of them were dead. <laughs> yeah, well, Zeppelin. Um, so you look at uh, you look at those bands that I just Pink Floyd. So I'm I'm talking about all the the original lineups of these bands. Yeah, Kiss. Um, you know, I know some people don't care. But, um, geez, uh, I can remember as a kid. You know, Jeff Beck still doing. You know, he had just come out of Cream. So, yeah, dude. Or not Cream. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I think Jeff Beck was my senior year. What was he in? Uh, he was in uh, Yardbirds. So yeah, and the, I and I got into the Yardbirds stuff real big too. Yeah, and I remember the day the Beatles broke up. I was like, um, oh. it was a big deal in my family because everybody was like musical. Like, we're like, oh my god, the Beatles are breaking up. And, and I remember Heart when it was brand new, and I was like, oh, this is this band. It's called Heart. 
And you know, this band you know, from- and the funny thing is Australia. all the ba- all the bands I grew up with, they're they're a drop in the bucket. Nobody even cares about them now. Like and, it's yeah. it's so funny. It's kind of funny that that um I'm funny and sad a bit that there was a there was a wave and um unfortunately kind of the grunge beard era is the is the um the trailing edge yeah. of what people will still go and pay good money to see that uh, right right i mean well so like corn yeah. they use corn because they were like the harbinger of that generation like the post grunge scene mm-hmm. and um i would consider them la new metal but anyway um mm-hmm. after after grunge was over and they came out like they still get 40 to 50 bucks to a hundred dollars a show yeah but and they play big big venues still but yeah. the other contemporaries limp biscuit like you'd be lucky to see them at the county fair um yeah. and and so many of the other bands from that because that was the other big band from that time period Mudvayne. Um, yeah, like Mudvayne, Static I mean, X. Like the only other been, one I can think of is Slipknot. Maybe that's, that's yeah. Slipknot is is still packing places. Um, yeah. and I think, but the, but they're grassroots metal, right? So like, right. they still they still have like a big segment of the metal scene that's interested in what they're doing. That's right. Um, so they're not I, really at, at the later years of that thing. When, like if David Gilmore and Roger Waters went um, grabbed up. Uh, uh rick wright and yeah, when they I'm, would be they would be at 300 dollars a seat they would sell everything roger waters yeah. is doing that he's he is vocally is awful solo but he's he's packing arenas yeah 300 to 500 dollars a seat if they if they were to reunite though david like, Gilmore does like one night he's like yep i'm gonna play pompeii okay so anybody who wants to come you're paying thousands of dollars and flying to rome to see yeah him. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, because those events are events, people are doing that stuff. It's craziness, yeah. but you're not going to yeah. get that out of a out of a band like Corn. And I think there are so many other. There were so many one hit wonders in the the new metal scene. Yeah, like um, Papa Roach. Yeah. Um, I would say Static X. Even though I know people like Static X, like Post and all that. Um, I get it. Uh, Orgy had like two two hit songs. Um, oh, what's the one? She's a crazy bitch. What's, who's the band that did that one? I don't uh, remember. But like, I guess that the big bands out of that that generation, like right after Corn, was probably like Nickelback and Creed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody's people can I, make fun of them all day long, but those well, not Creed because it's obviously the post Creed thing. But um, Nickelback can still pack a stadium. So. Yeah, but but my my point is that nobody's sitting there talking about like no, but they're know, not talking about what are they going to do next? When's their next album? Right, right, and 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 I think we still get that from people. So like, there's a little bit of buzz. There's a small community around Living Color, right? But there's a buzz when yeah. their new albums are ready. Right, corn. Like, it just shows up. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like to me. And maybe it's because I'm not connected with those communities. There might be a Guitar World interview where yeah. which nobody reads anymore except me. And yeah. Kevin. Well, and so that's another thing is I think the musicians community has gotten really far away from being interested in music that um, would be on the radio. That, well, we, like Guitar World, when I was growing up, they would have like interviews with like John Petrucci, but they would also have interviews with the guys from, from um, like like 
uh, Slayer or somebody like that, that, where you might hear those on, on your metal, your local metal station. You know what I mean? Right. Like you would hear th- these interviews, like these interviews would be back back. Now, when you open up guitar world, what is it? It's interviews with like all the gent kids. Yep. Yep. And then, and there's very little, I mean, you obviously have still, they, and, and they cycle them. Petrucci, Vi, Satriani. The people Petrucci. that connect with musicians, Vi. but not Satriani. the general connection to the outside world. And they had had a, that, you had that growing up too, though, because you had like Ingve and stuff happen in the 70s and 80s where, you know, there were definitely players like Ingve and uh, who's the other guy, uh, Alan Holdsworth, Holdsworth, and those kind of guys that were like really, really focused towards the musician audience. But not like it is now, where it's like if you play guitar, you not you don't give a crap about what's on the radio, except for maybe John Mayer, and that's right. it. Yeah, there's a very. Um, it, it's funny because when I, when I was growing up, well, first of all, we had radio, and that's pretty much dead. That that's dying, and in in some markets, completely dead. Yeah, most people. I'm not saying everyone, but there's a good portion of people. I, I'd love to take a poll of the group. How many people have unlimited data? Because the fact is, most people are listening to Spotify. They're listening to Pandora. They're listening to whatever streaming service that Apple Music. It doesn't matter. Um, because of that, they're not really worried about what's on the radio. When was no. the last time you? T- I don't know what. I don't even know what the radio stations are here. I don't. I yeah, don't. I mean, I I've used my radio a couple times this year, but usually when I have the radio on, it's talk radio. Yeah, because I'm listening for news. Like I'm, and I'm, and you know what? I'm getting to the point where I don't even hear the news anymore. I just don't. Like no. it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm no. not gonna. I, I I was gonna say something about no, it's, the it's recent right, recent political shenanigans. It's and, just biased. And, and, yeah, and I when you hear a story come across the radio where it's one state doing something. And every, and I'm not going to say what it is, but if you're if you're listening to the show and you're listening to the show in chronology when this is released, you'll probably understand. But but one state does something, and everybody panics like, oh my god, the the, the uh, country is going to collapse. Yep. And and then you don't. They, none of the radio stations want to provide any historical context for this having happened every single time that something else has happened. That's and it never goes anywhere. Like that's what, what drives me crazy. So I'm done with the media. That's why I don't read guitar magazines because if you, if you read guitar magazines now, you're going to believe that the jet kids are the future of guitar and that they're the only thing that matters, even though they're not selling records, nobody's going to their shows if they have them. You know, I went to see cannibal corpse, right? It was in a tiny venue. Great, great band, but it was in a tiny venue. And I'm sitting there going, how are these guys like surviving financially? Because well, you, unless you, you're in a, you know, unless you're in a three thousand seat venue, yeah. you're not making any money. I mean, they're no. breaking even. Yeah. What did you pay for a um, ticket? I think it was uh, twenty two dollars, like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks. Okay. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll give you. So this week I was gonna go, I was gonna treat myself for my birthday, and I was gonna go see um, the Struts. So they come. Lo- they came here locally. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I went to go plug in my information. $22.50 for a ticket. I'm okay with that. It's about a 1,500-seat place. And it's it's one of those standing room things. You go Yeah, like, yeah exactly like Cannibal Corpse was. Yeah. So um, general admission, I would have just pushed my way up. I was going to see if I could get an interview. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try. I went, to, I went to buy my ticket. They wanted $12 um, convenience fee. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Welcome. And then two more dollars for for uh, a processing. I'm like, wait a minute. So fifty percent of your ticket, fourteen dollars for a twenty two fifty ticket. Yeah. So you're paying thirty five bucks to see the struts. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I'm sure if the struts know it, it's first of all, why is it? Why am I paying? $12 for a convenience fee. It's the only way because, I can buy a damn ticket. Because the 22 bucks or whatever the ticket costs, yeah. most of that is going to the promoter and, and yeah. the band, right? They get their right. cut too, right? They're getting the, the promoter's making 10%. The band's making 90%. And then the venue is not making anything. So what they're doing is they're tacking on another $12 that is purely for the venue. That's right. And they can, they can take that and stuff it up their rear ends. Yep. I'm not doing it. And, and you guys can can chime in if you want. I I think, I think that if if they, if this is the future of music musical um, uh, tours, they're going to kill tours the way they killed records. Nobody's going to go. I'm not going to pay that much to go see a band that's only got. Oh. What's going to happen is music live music is going to go underground again. And you're yeah. going to be going to these like little dive bars. That's right. And seeing big acts that are like packing the place. And that, and that's how, and that's happened before CBGBs yeah. and all that stuff. Like what's yeah, what that that's, was. That's what it was. Exactly. We had a place called uh, uh, Northern lights in upstate New York. It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, that's a famous uh, venue. I've heard of that yeah. one before. And so you get these, you get these places. Um, there was a place called Saratoga winners. Um, another one that the hammer jacks. Yeah, it, you just uh, there was one in uh, there was one in South Chicago and I was out there in the eighties, but um, the metro it, or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it was where you saw people who were like you said they were underground. I remember seeing Jim Croce, um, and just you know, but it was it was relatively inexpensive. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay the artists. That's no, no. Actually, I'm saying that they're not making enough money. Right. But to but for the venues to do that, they're going to drive that. That's what's going to drive the people away is these quote unquote convenience fees. I'm paying to buy a ticket online. You're not even printing it. You're not even yeah. giving me a piece. Of what, what, what you, you're not even organized. Like your convenience fee is basically you scan my ticket when I walk in. If you yeah. scan it, I've been in places where they didn't even have barcode they scanners. Scan it. Yeah, they just look just at it. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so. um we're going to wrap this up because Game yep. of Thrones is half over or whatever. And we That's right. We got to go see it. Yeah. But <laughs> I want to, I want to leave with a final thought. So if you're wondering what, what a band pays and what a band costs to go into a venue, right? Like think about this for a minute. Just think about it. I'm not going to give the actual numbers. I'm going to think about it. So let's say Cannibal Corpse, right? right. Two guitar players, bass yep. player, drummer, yep. singer, five piece band, right? They got to have at least one guitar tech. Yep. If not two, and for a band like that, it's probably two. Yep. They got to have somebody to drive the bus. Yep. They got to have a manager to be able to handle things, right? Um, and to make business decisions, which a lot of bands are doing a lot of this stuff. They're consolidating these jobs into, into people in the band, believe it or not. Yep. And then usually they have a publicist with them to help handle the press and if they drum. have to do interviews and stuff. They have a drum tech. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, drum tech. And then I was going to say, a lot of times they bring their own live sound guy, right? Yep. Yep. So for a five piece band, you're at 10 people, right? They yep. go on the road with them, which means that you need two vans, if not three, because you have to carry equipment, right? Yep. For a small band, you'd have to carry equipment. So, th so put that into perspective. How much does it cost you to drive to work 40 miles away every day? That's right. 
And then think about a band that tours and they're in one city one night and then 250 miles away in another city. And they're playing these small clubs where they're getting maybe $2,000 a night. Right. Nobody's making anything. Try and that's it. why, and that's why I want to leave you with. Think about it because that's why I'm saying like, we really need to figure out a better way for this to work where the, where the clubs aren't making all the money. You'd be surprised to find out that there are a lot of just wedding, quote-unquote wedding and, and quote, rock yacht rock bands that make more than some of the yep. touring positions. Yes. I knew, I knew a guy. He was making $20,000 a year playing three or four weekends a year Yep, doing, doing, doing weddings. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a scary proposition we've got going forward. And anybody who thinks that the – the great thing that we've got, which which on one one hand it is this this unlimited streaming service and the fact that you pay ten dollars, you know, but what we're done is made it so that it, if you want to keep complaining about crappy music, I'll tell you why because it ain't worth it anymore. It just ain't worth it. I realize we've talked about this before. There's art versus money, but you've got to have money to create art. You can't make a painting without without canvas and without paint. And a musician cannot make a, a, a music uh, or a record without a decent um, studio. Yeah, they have to have a budget. That's right. And and so I'm not saying that musicians should make more than you know, like a teacher or a police right. officer or anything like that. What I'm saying is they are they are making so little money it almost doesn't make sense for them to continue to make records. Yeah, and that's that why was- I'm like. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Like, and, and so for me as a person, like I know I'm an artist, I want to play, right? Like I want to get my music heard. I don't really care about the money. It's not an issue for me. I make decent money on a day job. So do you, Jim. So um, now you have a dream of actually becoming a touring musician that goes around and, and subs in for other people or whatever and all those things. And that's cool. Um, but that's just, you're, you're looking at that like that's going to pay your bills and keep you eating and you're going to live cheap. Right. So you have a very good attitude about it. But if you're going to try to make a record and that's a whole different thing, like you can't do that on $40,000 a year while you're doing it because you don't get to eat. You don't get to go to the grocery when you're on tour. Like you have to eat out every meal. So half your money is gone, you know? Um, So anyway, uh, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave everybody on that thought. And Jim, you know, we, you know, our thing, like I've been a practical guitarist and you've been a practical guitarist and all our listeners hopefully will be practical guitarists. And yes. uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. So, all right. Good night. Good night.